Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I, I like that video because truly, Lord, we can laugh at that, but the bottom line is, Lord, Lord, we do try to put on those Sunday smiles. God, we do try to sometimes be, uh, to live a double life. God, the, the life that we really live, and then maybe that Christian one that we try to put on just to kind of, Lord, to give a different impression. But Lord, we all live there. Lord, that is a part of human nature. But Lord, the more that we battle that back, and Lord, we embrace the truth, and Lord, be who we're called to be. Lord, in all of its ugliness, and all of its beauty, Lord, then we are in the light as you are in the light. And that, God, we can grow. God, we can mature. Lord, we can, Lord, get past, Lord, that, um, Lord, in a strong way, the hypocrisy, but Lord, Lord just in a, in, a, in a minor way, Father, just that tendency, Lord, to shrink back from reality. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just pour in truth into our hearts today. God, as we, we talk about being peacemakers, Lord, we want to embrace that in a deep way today. And I thank you that you've spoken that to me. And, and Lord, may that word go forth into our hearts and bear fruit, just like we sowed those seeds yesterday now. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question this morning is, is are you a peacemaker? And, you know, I love preparing for the message. And I've just kind of, over the many, many years, just trained myself to just really say, you know, God... Not my will, but your will, and just kind of empty my mind and just say, Lord, speak to me. What, what it is, what's on your heart? What do you want to download into your people today? And, and this is what God spoke to me today, so I'm, I'm excited about sharing with this with you. But, you know, as a pastor here at Valley, one of my goals as a teacher and a preacher is to give Christians tools to walk in the ways of God, okay? Not to just get us stirred up emotionally, not just to kind of get us into a fever pitch or or even to kind of promise something or to offer or oversell anything, but rather to give you tools. Because I know, I mean, I'm like you. When we walk out those doors, we want to make it work, okay? We don't want to just talk about being a Christian. We want to be one, and we want to experience the fruit of it. And the bottom line, I know your heart is, it's like, hey, I want to be changed. I want to be like him. And if we really bring this down to the bottom line, to be happy, Right? Full of the joy of the Lord, which is our what? Strength. That's exactly right. Why? Because I know that when we walk in the ways of God, we will be blessed. We're going to have a better life. So solid biblical teaching is very critical to your spiritual walk, and I'm committed to that. The Bible tells us that we have itching ears, and that's just not the bad people. We all have itching ears. We all would like to come to church. Man, I sure hope Pastor David has a, a good word today. Well, what's a good word, you know? Our ears want to hear only positive, heartwarming stories. We want everything hunky-dory and never to be made to, be, to feel badly. However, if you have a need to feel badly to feel spiritual, then that kind of communication rarely gives you solutions as to how you can build a better life. See, the Bible is a handbook on how to live a better life. Of course, at the heart of this is one point. And that is to listen to God and to do what he tells us to do. Because he knows exactly what we need, period. 
that is the approach to the Bible, okay? Not to just look at it as a history book or, you know, a book of, of wise sayings, but period. Bottom line is that God is speaking to us through his word, and he wants us to listen, and he wants, to try, he wants us to put it into action, right? Of course, the whole book of James, James is about that. Now, when Jesus was on the Mount of Olives, he had a captive audience of hundreds of people. What does he do? Well, he makes them feel good? No. Does he start telling jokes? No. I think he started to teach what is probably the most critical truths for our spiritual health. And you can, and you can take some time, maybe over the next several weeks, to read there, starting with Matthew 5 and on through, uh, up through chapter 13. Some of those powerful teachings. One of the many things Jesus taught there was uh, among one of the most powerful truths was that the peacemakers in this world would be blessed. Do you remember that? That we would be blessed. And that caught my attention. That, as I was reading through that, it just jumped off the page, and God just said, there, David, that's where I want you to focus. And one of the things that does mark these last days is that peace, what we know reading in other places in Scripture, that peace would become less and less of a human experience. Peace we wake up in the morning and our peace is just robbed immediately from us because of wars and rumors of wars, what's taking place in the Ukraine and in Crimea right now. The bear, the old bear is rearing its head once again. And, you know, that doesn't make you, you know, get you all feeling warm and fuzzy. It can steal our peace. But for God's people and for those who hold on to what, who we know we are and what God has called us to be, we would be recognizable by a byproduct of a life with Jesus and a gift that would keep on giving. And I want to talk about that today. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And how would that be? Well, that would be to give something that's not in full or to promise you something that never make good on it. Right, never complete. Thank you, Dwight. I mean, it could be anything, I mean, as the world gives. Okay? And he says, so do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. This is Jesus speaking, saying, I'm going to give you this peace, and where is that peace? Is that, is that a part of our, our experience? Is that something that we enjoy every day? And if we're not, then I want to dig into that a little bit, but I want to go even further. I want to talk about being a peacemaker. Because not only do we find in the Bible that God wants to heal us, God wants to do things inside us, but remember, it's always for a purpose. Always for a purpose. And this is, this, i got to tell you, this is Christianity 401 now. In other words, the church is all about making us the church out there. Learning about who Jesus is is all about becoming like him out there. That was Jesus' mission from beginning to end. If it was not, he never would have sent them out two by two. He never would have, I mean, what was the point? Other than maybe just gathering them together and they sing kumbaya and, and they just hang out and heal one another. Hey, you're healed. No, you're healed. No, you're healed. You know? But no, they went out into the world to share the good news, confront darkness, and change the world. And so to me, I, I just thought it was amazing that again, Jesus says, I give you peace. But he also says, now I want you to go and give that peace. I want you to be peacemakers. 
And what a wonderful concept. It has tremendous value. So if we sow the seeds of peace, well, the Bible tells us that we're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, I tell you what, I, I think that way. I guess I've been trained to think that way. But we were down there in South Weldon, and we were planting those seeds, and I was watching those rows, and you know, we were putting it down there. The expectation is that we're going to do what? Bear fruit. That something's going to come up out of the ground. Something we're going to be able to enjoy for months to come. And in the same way, that's exactly right, it's a harvest. In the same way that when we sow peace, we're going to reap it. And I think if we really examine this, before I get into the points here, I mean, really examine our heart. Isn't that what we're really all just, (laughs) man, we're really shooting for? Peace. Peace down deep in our hearts. Because when you're at peace, so many wonderful things can come to the surface the great things that God has done with us. It's, it's all the noise. It's all the, 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 uh, um, the other things that get in the way that keep us from being able to see the better things that God has done. Have you noticed that? The cares of this world, man, let's stick with our, with our farming analogy. You know, the roots, that, I mean, the weeds that come up that choke out the good things, that choke out the fruit. And we got that work to do, don't we, down there, Well, We got to get those weeds out of there. We're going to have to keep them out. Keep hoeing and chopping it up and keeping the fruit tended to. In the same way, we've got to guard this peace. We've got to tend it. Because in the end, if we do, we're going to reap a harvest of righteousness, which means favor and blessings, which means for you, a better life. You see what I did there? You want a better life, okay? We all do. We're asking that question. And maybe it's just kind of just out of our reach in times. And again, I started off with just, again, my heart is to help you find those tools, those principles in the, world, in the Word that are going to help you experience the peace of God, experience blessing. So to become a peacemaker, again, we must understand peace. So let's look at peace from the Scriptures first of all so that then we can unpack it here at the end. Number one, we need to have a peace with God. Okay, a peace with God. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and then 6 through 9, I'm going to read these all together. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, okay, mark that word in your Bible, circle it, justified, very powerful Bible word, justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? His wrath. Now, that's not a fun word to talk about. But some people just think that you know, God is up in heaven and he's just wearing sandals and strumming on a harp and it's just you know, peace, love, and joy. But God is an angry God. He's, he's full of jealousy because he made this and someone stole it from him. He won it back through the sacrifice of his son. He said, and now I'm just waiting for the full, two full measures, two cups to be full. One cup to be full of the wickedness of man and the other every single possible human soul to be brought in. But God's anger 
and his wrath is simmering, and it's going to one day be poured out. And who knows when exactly. But what we read here is that God has peace. God says, but not for you. Not for you. For you, you are justified. And what that, I want to come back to that word. What does justified mean? It's a legal term. It's not guilty. It's coming before the judge when you were doing an 80 and a 35. Because you're going to go away for a little while. You're going to take a little vacation. And you're going to have to stand before the judge who now looks at you under, you know, he's got his glasses and he's looking at it. And judge the father, just before the gavel came down, Jesus steps up and says, excuse me, father. I'm going to take this rap. I'm going to take this for them. And so whatever you were getting ready to speak, father, as far as a judgment, I want to take that on their behalf so that they can completely go free. The father says, done, someone has to pay. And since you're willing to, done, justified. Sir, ma'am, you may go. And that's exactly what took place in heaven. When Jesus came before the throne and he held the bowl, I'm just, you know, I'm not sure exactly how to, but he held that bowl of his own blood and there was mankind standing before him and God's gavel was getting ready to come down and say, all are deserving of hell because all men have rejected me. And that's what the Bible teaches us. But Jesus stands up and says, I've paid it. I want to take the rap. And it came upon him in the form of the punishment that brought us peace was put upon him. You see, he took our rap. He took our judgment. He took our sentence. He took our imprisonment. He took it. And he says, that has brought us peace. <laughs> so let's just try it on for a minute. So there you are in front of the judge. And man, you're just feeling you're having the worst day because, man, you woke up out of peace and you know the whole day is going to not end in peace with whatever happens. And then all of a sudden you find that out. It's time to party, but not too fast when you pull out of that parking lot. That's another, that's another whole sermon. But, but what joy, what peace comes upon us to know, oh, I do not have to suffer the wrath of the judge. I do not have to suffer any wrath. And that's where we are. It's because when that day comes, God's going to come with fire in his eyes and he's going to come and he's going to do it. And he, he's going to bring his wrath upon mankind. And all that, when that cup is, is full, just like it was with Sodom and Gomorrah, and God finally just said, you know what? This city is so wicked, it must be destroyed. I mean, we've got, I mean, you see it in, in its microcosm all throughout Scripture. You don't think God's going to do that again? Absolutely he's going to do that again. But no, he said, but he promised one day, on the whole earth. He said, I, I'll never destroy it with water again, but I am going to destroy it with fire. It's coming. But not you. Not me. Isn't that awesome? Let's just try that peace on for a moment. To just think. Just think about that. And to understand the peace of God. So God's love, it sought us out. It found us. Declared not guilty by the blood of Jesus. And what that really means, what that really means, Christian, is we have no fear of the future. We really should have no fear at all. So that when the, 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 the writer in the Scripture says, let, you know, be anxious for nothing, 
Be anxious for nothing. There's a reason for it. Because we got nothing to be afraid of. Our God has forgiven us. We're justified. It's a legal act. What's done is done. Judge is not going to call you back and say, oh, by the way, I changed my mind. That'd be a real bad day, wouldn't it? So there's no fear of God's wrath. So we have this peace with God that has been purchased for us. And so you you need to understand that. That needs to be at the very center of your being, that you're walking around knowing that you live outside of the wrath of God, that you you live in the peace of God that is yours, purchased. That's what we celebrated in our communion this morning. We have the peace of God. He's so quick to forgive and to wash us from our sins by just, by just remembering, by just applying that truth instantaneously. All God needs to, to make that come into effect, to, to release the power of that truth, is faith. That's what it started with. We have been justified through what? Faith. Just to believe. It's wonderful. See, before... You had to sacrifice stuff. You had to kill animals. Before, there were things you had to do, a gospel of works. But that one work is taking that all away. We don't have to do a thing. As a matter of fact, if you saw communion this morning as a salvific act, that you were getting saved by drinking that juice and eating the bread, that's wrong. It's not Bible. No, the only thing we do that for is to remind ourselves of what he did. It's only to help us release fresh faith to say, oh, yes, I remember now. I'm justified. I'm justified. The, the gavel's already gone. I remember the day that I left the judge's chambers, that I, when I went outside and I, I realized I'm forgiven, I'm released. Whew, Lord, help me not to forget that again. But that's why Jesus said, as often as you meet... Remind yourselves of what Jesus did for you. Do you get it? Everybody's got to say yes, right? Or I won't move on to point two. Okay, there you go. There you go. Need some feedback here. All right, number two. So we've got to have peace with God. No, secondly, we've got to have the peace of God. The peace of God. Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 9. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, you say every Yeah, okay, not just the select ones. Because we're so weak, so quickly freak out, don't we? Come on, be honest. That's why we played that video. Let's be real, Christians. Because we were laughing, but we weren't pointing at anybody. We were going right here, weren't we? (laughs) Where's that going? Right in the middle. All right. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition... I love that because it means we can pray and we can ask God. We can just say, Lord, I'm anxious right now. I'm fearful. And by by, by prayer and by bringing before God to petition him to say, Lord, I need you to fix this. I need you to change these circumstances. I'm out of rest. I need you to give me rest. And then with thanksgiving and to say, and so, Lord, I leave this with you and I thank you that you're a God who does do what we ask. Because you know my heart is good and I'm yours. I, belong. I know what you did on the cross for me. So I'm not asking you for something you haven't already done. See? And what can happen to prayer is it can diminish because we lose faith in what has been done for us. 
See, once we lose the focus of what prayer is, see, prayer should not be, God, please, please. It should be, Lord, I know what your Bible says. I know what you've done. I kind of got you on this one, God. Because I know what you did. And I know what you've done in my life. And I know what you promised me of what you would do in my body what you would do in my family, what you would do in my kids. You told me these things. So God, see, that's petition. That's the sign outside the office. Heck no, I won't go until you, you know, my prayer you will show. I don't know, I can't make it work. Didn't think that one out. But anyway, that's what we're talking about. And God doesn't open the window and throw stuff at us. He says, I've just been waiting for you to get it. I've just been waiting for you to get a clue. So present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Man, this is, this is the greatest verse. And the peace of God, which just transcends all understanding. goes beyond my ability to figure out. Are you smart, Christian? You got a high IQ? Well, that's your enemy. Because it gets in the way. If you know science, if you know things, sometimes, you know, Andrew gets after me. He says, honey, you read too much. And I do. I mean, I love to read. Hey, honey, you know what the newest disease is? And she's going, I don't want to know. Not interested. <laughs> well, curiosity. Uh, it's, you know what it is? It's called the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God didn't want Adam and Eve to ever have to eat of that tree. Because they would have lived in a simple life of God just providing. But the moment they just said, yeah, but I want to read the New York Times and what it says about such and such. Because that's what every one of those fruit on that tree represented. Knowledge. Good and evil. Sometimes it's best for us to be pretty stupid in the world, things of the world, but very knowledgeable of God's promises. But it trans- transcends. It, it's above. It goes beyond in a very surreal, powerful way. It goes beyond understanding. And it's going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? It's going to guard it. It's going to place a guard around it. Well, that tells me that I've got a peace of God that is lasting, that is there. It cannot be shaken. Now, it, it, it can weaken a little bit. But that when we get a hold of this thing, we never let anxiety get a grip. Be anxious for nothing. The moment that anxiety, anxiety to us should be so foreign that it's just like wearing clothes that are too tight. You know, it's just like, you're just like, oh man, this, is, oh, this doesn't work. And that's what anxiety should feel to us. It's just like, oh man, I, I don't need to be wearing this today. Why do I have anxiety on it? It don't fit. It doesn't work for me. You got it? And in so doing, it's going to guard our hearts. We're never going to let it in. See, guard is the key word there. Guarding, putting a guard. So it never gets there. So many times, Christians, what we're doing is we're just playing, we're, we're, we're fighting the war from behind. I mean, the enemy's already infiltrated our camp, and we decide, oh, oh wow, are you going to fight now? When you need to be on your guard, and the moment he sticks his ugly little head out, you just say, oh, no, uh-uh. No, I bind you in Jesus' name. I will not, nope. Lord, right now, I'm going to prayer and petition because I'm feeling a little bit tempted to be anxious over this situation, whether it be over my health, 
whether it be about my future, my finances, anything going on in my life, I feel that anxiety rising. But you say, anxious for nothing. Lord, I give this to you, and I choose to know that I have peace from you, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm buying into it, and I'm letting it guard my heart. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, and now he's, he's given us a, a very wonderful, I tell you what, this is $100 an hour counseling you're getting ready to get. I'm serious. I mean, you know, go get your psychiatrist, pay him the big bucks, but right here, save you a lot of money. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what's the word there? Think about such things. It's all in the mind. It's all in the mind. Where that mind goes, what we dwell upon is going to bear its fruit. You're putting those little seeds in there. Let, you know, man, I wonder what's going to happen if the world blows up. Well, what on earth are you thinking about that for? You know, they've got this, oh, here I go, knowledge of tree of good and evil, but oh well. Um, in California, you probably already know about it. They've got a disease in California where people are just getting, kids are getting paralyzed, children. They're just, they can't wait, wake up in the morning, they can't move. Paralyzed. And it's kind of an, growing in California. Now, when you read such things like that, you don't go, hey, honey, check that out. Kids are getting paralyzed in California. Hmm, moving on to the sports page. You don't do that, especially when you've got children. And a little quiver goes down your spine, right, mamas? A little something like, whoa. You start thinking about anybody you know from California and getting them out of your life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, honey, the, the, the Joneses from L.A. were due to come over for dinner tonight. Cancel it. <laughs> Cancel it. What excuse do I give them? I don't know. To make up something. That's where anxiety has gotten a hold of you. you see, we're laughing because we do it. But folks, we've got to, now to, 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 so to avoid even getting to that place, here's some wonderful advice from Paul. He says, okay, you've got to take charge of your mind. And how do you do that? Well, whatever is true. That, actually, I've written a whole teaching on this for counseling. Whatever is true. What is true? Ask yourself that question. Before you get even started, just start with that question. What is true? So you hear somebody's been talking about you. You hear that somebody made a disparaging comment about you. You hear something. It could be gossip. You don't know. Did they tell you there themselves? Did they walk right up to you and say, look, I think you're an idiot, and I just wanted you to know. You know? I mean, did, did they do, do that? And if it's hearsay, if it's just what you think, and this is the worst part, Christians, is most of the times we just make it up because of a look. Oh, they didn't call me this week. Oh, they don't love me. Is that true? Now, I could get a lot deeper here, but I'm going to leave it alone. Especially for you, you husbands and wives out there. I'm just going to leave it alone. Because I can see you guys out there saying, well, no, oh, come on, Pastor D, don't go there. But anyway. But what I'm saying is, I mean, I'll let you do your homework. But what is true? What is true? What are you camping on in your thoughts? And if that has nothing to do with anything that you know for certain, would you just leave it alone? Get your hands off of it. 
Do not let it go around in your mind. It is not, if you don't know that it is absolutely true, then leave it alone. Because I tell you what, the moment you let start to believe those little things and you begin to question and wonder, did, is that what they really meant? Then man, it's like a ping pong ball bouncing around that is evolving into less and less of anything that has anything to do with truth. And Satan is just going, man, I love this. I don't have to do a thing. Because now this Christian is completely full up with anxiety, full of, of all this stuff that, that is not even true, and they're shut down effectively. So whatever is true, whatever is noble, you know, uh, you can connect Corinthians chapter 13 to that. Well, I've got to get going here. You got Corinthians chapter 13, because it says that love is a choice. And, and, and often what we have to do, and I love the whole idea of believing the best, believing the best. Church, we are never going to be able to be the church until we get that, until so that we choose to believe the best in someone, until you know that something was not the best. And when that happens, you've got to forgive it. So once you walk up to somebody and say, hey, now look, um, I heard you said that I was an idiot. And I just needed to hear it from you. Yeah, I kind of did say that. All right. Okay. Well, look, that was kind of mean. And I wish you hadn't have said that. But you know what? I forgive you. Because now I got a choice. Because I can open up a whole other can of worms if I don't choose to forgive. But I'm telling you, we're talking 1% of most of the stuff that's going on inside our brain. 1%. Because everything else is just lies, half truths. Fears, wonders, you know, things that picking up other people's offenses that have now morphed into something that is now this triple-headed beast that's living inside you. See, that's what I'm really talking about here. And that's how quickly peace can go. So I tell you what, if we want to get past it, past it, we got to think about those things which are pure. We keep our things on purity. You know, uh, how does the verse go? It says, to the pure, all things are pure. So if your mind is running quickly to think that somebody is really that evil to think of you that way, what does that tell you about your own heart? What does that tell you about your own mind, what it's been thinking and camping on? See, innocency is a good thing. To be innocent in the ways of the world. To not even know. Hey, did you hear what was going on over there? No. I'd rather not know, so please don't tell me. You know, what's happening in another church? Just don't touch it. What's going on in somebody else's life? You know, gossip is a choice more so going down into the innermost parts of a being. Oh, man. I mean, it's like a good ice cream cone, man. Woo, lick it slow. Gotta, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. It says, put this stuff into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. See, folks, that, that's Bible, making it about as practical as you can get. Let's see what I've, uh, the rest I have in these notes that might make any sense. So it's hard to be a giver of something that you have never or recently experienced. How do we get to peace? We must think about God's things. They're in the list. Walking in peace is definitely a choice, is it not? And we're, when we're tempted to be anxious, begin to remember what Jesus has done for you. Recall the victories and the breakthroughs. Don't let your guard down. Keep up the trust. See, that, that's where we've got to fight it, my friends. 
Now, once you get caught up in it, now nobody's going to say, hey, man, you brought this upon yourself, see ya. No, no, we've got to pull each other up. And, and there are times when we can say, look, I'm, I'm just bound up in fear right now. I don't know what to do. So, well, look, we're going to pray you out of this thing. Because it does happen, doesn't it? The slough of, it's called the slough of despair in Pilgrim's Progress. You get caught in it. You sink in it like quicksand. And once you're in it, it's hard to get out. And so every once in a while, you need to call another Christian and say, look, I bit this thing. And I've been thinking about my health, or I've been thinking about my money, or I've been thinking about what's going to happen. It's got me. Christian, can you help me get out of this? And we should just say, yes, we're going to do that right now. And that's why we have the the, the prayer teams up here, is to say, look, you don't have to do this alone. Now, finally, we've got to be givers of peace. Look at at James chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quote-unquote, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you find disorder and every evil practice. That's pretty much hell on earth, people. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, what? It's pure. Then it's peace-loving. Circle that word in your your Bible. It's peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. If you want to be a peacemaker, that's what it looks like. That's the definition of a peacemaker. We can go backward on this. What is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is a person who's peace-loving. He loves the peace. He wants to make the peace. He wants to focus on the peace. We got a beep. But anyway, we want to focus on the peace. So when everybody is stirring up discord, you need to inside say, I'm going to keep this, uh-uh. Because nothing, nothing good comes out of discord. Now, I want to I say this before I get rolling because, uh, to finish this last point, and that is there is a time for peace. What does Ecclesiastes tell us? There's also a time for war. I mean, that's in the Bible. There's a time. And that, when that time is, is when you have done what? Everything in your power to fight for peace. It's when you've exhausted all resources to try to maintain the peace you know, to fight for it, to, to try to work it out between both sides, to just say, and to pray, and to be on your knees. And then when, when, when it's no longer able to do that, let's say even, even if we used warfare as an example, now they want to burn down my house and kill my kids. It's like, okay, I've done everything. Now I'm going to open up the can of whoop. I'm going to do it. I'm going to shoot my gun. Which, anyway, leave that one alone. Um, You know, we're going to do what's necessary, but not without fighting for peace. Peace Peace-loving. Considerate. Considering other people's, their needs, their their struggles. It's being submissive. When somebody walks in the room and they are the leader, they've been the appointed person, don't rise up and cause discord. Don't rise up and just try to be, you know, uh, try to be all that, or you got an idea that you think is better. You know, that's, that's not being submissive to authority. That's not honoring someone's position. 
but being submissive. You know what? I don't think anybody's qualified to be a leader until they've been submissive for a period of time. In other words, to just say, look, sit down. And that's what I loved about Bible college when I was in it. The guys came, and we were you know, all young and full of ourselves, and we wanted to go out and change the world. And so we walked up, and they said, okay, where do we get to preach? Where do we get to go? And they said, you're going to preach to that mop. And so that's your gift right now, brother. You're going to mop those floors in the name of Jesus. I was like, whoa, okay. They taught us all about servanthood first because that's, you know, that's what qualifies us really in the kingdom of God. All right, so being a peacemaker is, a, is common sense. It really is because you know what? You know, we don't realize that when we're stirring things up, who are we really bringing, you know, crud down upon? Ourselves. What good does it really do to say, man, I got the fires and stuff going on over there. Watch it burn. Uh-oh. It's getting my house on fire. Absolutely. Is this not a biblical principle we've learned before? That which we sow, we will reap. So, so really, this is not a grand revelation. If we sow peace, we'll reap peace. If we sow discord, we're going to reap discord. If you go to work and you're always stirring things up, if you're always trying to make things and, and, and bait people in sin, and if you're trying to do that and you're just always trying to stir things up and, it, and you're always just out of rest, hello, McFly. Do you realize what's going on here? You're the one that planted those seeds. And you expect something else to come up out of the ground? So we put those little potatoes. I love seeing the little kids, there, the little cut-up potatoes they're putting them in and, and so, but if they came back and beans came out of there, I think they'd be a little confused, right, Will? They're expecting what? Potatoes. Because when you put it in, that's what comes out. It starts by leave, living a peaceful life. Do you like to stir up that trouble and strife? Again, you're going to reap it. We can't let bitterness build. Once again, the Bible being consistent with its analogies, it talks about bitterness being a root and that it grows, and it goes down deep into the soil. And what does a root do? It goes down deeper and deeper and deeper until it establishes a base so that the bigger the root, the greater the fruit. Bigger the root, the greater the fruit. So a root in faith, a root in the fear of God, a root in the ways of God is going to produce a greater fruit in your life of his promises and his blessings. But man, if you've got a root of bitterness that's going on, the Bible says that rises up and defiles many. I mean, it all is there. Because when, when, when you get a root of righteousness that comes up in your life and it's bearing fruit, then people are going to, it's going to, it's not going to defile many, it's going to bless many. But when that bitterness gets in there, then it rises up and we're angry all the time. We're angry at people and we're stirring things up. You know, especially in this, this period of time right now where, you know, it's kind of politically hot and, and things are getting stirred up and people are angry and struggling and, you know, there's this class division that's growing in the United States. Dangerous, by the way dangerous. If you're buying into that mess, you're not being a peacemaker. Don't. You take your little plot, your little piece of life, and you be faithful to it, and you honor God. If there's a reason you're not getting blessed, hear me now. I'm getting ready to step on a lot of toes. If there's a reason you're not getting blessed, don't blame anyone else. I want to hear a bigger amen out of that one. Because that's the truth. That which you sow, you will reap. You want a better life? 
start sowing some good seeds. And some good ones to sow, what we've learned today, is being a peacemaker. We've got to examine our motives, folks, because didn't we learn earlier that it said about, it was talking about motives. Are you built, you remember it talked about selfish ambition? That's a motive. Are you building others up or are you building your own case or your own kingdom? See, one of the things that I really love and I like to teach young, young believers, especially young pastors and their families, and what was exemplified and taught me is that, look, bless others. Make that your goal first. Find out what other people's dreams are and make those a reality. Do that. Make that a part of your own life. Find out the people that God places in your life and say, look, where are you going? Well, I want to go do that. I want to help you do that. That is a great destroyer of selfish ambition. Just destroys it. (laughs) Crushes it. Dead like a bug. God is watching. Isn't it better that God give us our dreams than we scratch and fight for our own? Because when God gives us a dream, it takes a lot less work. (laughs) I've noticed that about God. Is that God will just drop things into our lap and we're just going, wow, I didn't even deserve that. And he goes, that's right. You didn't. But because you sowed to be a servant, because you did not let selfish ambition rise up in you, because you made it a point to bless others, all boats float in the end. Fill up your life with blessing. And all the boats around you come up with it. See? But if you just say, no, no, I, don't, I, I got my own tank and that's the only one I want. This is my tank. You got your tank. This is my tank. So I'm going to fill it up. But no, man, you walk around filling other, everybody else up. And God says, I'll take care of you. Bible, folks, this is Bible. Are you getting this? So incredibly important. So James calls that selfish ambition earthly, unspiritual, and then he, he just blows us up by saying it's demonic. It's, it's, it's not just an earthly thing, it's a devil thing to only think about my own, my own life. So look at what a peacemaker does. Again, he's peace-loving. Consider, I already did all this. But I'll read it here. It just says, full of mercy, not wanting to see people punished or exposed. If you're in the business of, you know, Johnny, you know, Johnny tells a lot, you know, going around just saying, hey, look what they're doing. That's wrong and evil. That's not good. You should not be the first person to expose and tell and do all that. that that's not good. You should pray. And if you have an opportunity and they're a friend and a person in your life, maybe someone in your family, you should come to them and say, look, I love you. I'm for you. What you're doing there is wrong. Okay? And if you keep doing that, that's going to hurt your life. I'm not here to expose you. I'm not here to embarrass you. I love you. And that's what people who love other people do. If you were wondering, that's what they were doing. That's what it looks like. Give people time to do what's right. You know, don't count to three. Look, I want you to, you know, stop what you're doing. One, two, don't do that. Just say, look, I'm going to give you some time. I'm going to pray for you. Because see, you know what? I... What I see is that my father is so incredibly, painfully patient with me. Is he not with you? Does, not, does God not punish you nearly as much as you deserve? <laughs> I didn't hear a lot of amens on that one. I imagine that wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't really fly. 
impartial, not taking sides for the sake of personal loyalties. Oh, buddy. Got to leave it alone. Do you want to jump into the fight of our, of our day? Do you want to get into the culture wars? I don't think you should be in the middle of those. I think you should be fighting a different battle altogether. And that is for the sake of God's kingdom. And sincere. Sincere. No wrong motives. It flows out of experience of peace that God gives you. If you want to be a peacemaker, you've got to understand it. And when you get it inside you, you get it from God. You know, it's like, look, I'm not an enmity with God anymore. God's my friend. Then that leaves a, a, a peace inside us. And then when we begin to just receive it into the very activities of our life, it goes from our mind to our everyday living. Then out of that peace will come such a desire to want to sow that, those seeds of peace. By the way, I know my notes. If you got the notes, I went right from three to five. Yeah, I had another point that I deleted. So anyway, sorry. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That's what Matthew 5, 9. I've held that to the end here. What is better? Of course, all the, all the beatitudes, the blessing there are good, but this one jumped off the page to me. What is better than being called a child of God? Think about it for a minute. A child of God. You know what I like about that? My children, the way they look to me, it's so innocent. It's so expecting. It's so without guile. There's just that they know I love them and they expect me to love them. There's not, I mean, as they grow older, those, get, those things get challenging. There's a lot more challenging things that happen as they grow into adults. And you've got you to work. You've got to work a lot more. But my little Andrew, he, I mean, he just looks at me and says, Dad, I love you. And he just does it with all of his heart and with all of his passion. There's no, I mean, I don't question it. And he doesn't question it. Nothing's better than the innocent love of a child. And when God says, I'm going to treat you like my children, I just look at that and say, good. Because <laughs> that's the way I really want it to stay. I don't want to be treated like a rebellious teenager. I don't want to be treated like an adult who just can't get their life straight. I don't want to be treated like someone, a homeless person living on this. I don't want to be treated like any of that. Give me a child, and that rocks and that rolls. Right there. Amen? So, how do we get that? Peacemakers. Be a peacemaker. Settle it down, Christians. It's getting stirred up. You say, no, I'm choosing peace. I'm choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to think about what, what's true. I don't know what the, I mean, so go through this. Go through the notes again. I can't re-preach it all. Don't have the time, but you need to look at it. Now, finally, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So God has called us to be peacemakers, and, but what we're going to find is not everybody wants to be a peacemaker. And it's very difficult, isn't it? Because we're living in a culture where there's a lot of animosity. We're living in a time when people are angry at one another. We're living in a time in the last days where it said it's going to be, very, it's going to be a very limited commodity. So we've got to hold on to it. We've got to hold on to it. Fight for it. Now, I could say in this message today, just for the sake of being a peacemaker. And that would be enough, wouldn't it? to just bless God, to just know that we're working with God here and that we can attract, you know, to make God happy. 
But it's more than that. And I want to finish with that thought. For you, this is your takeaway. If you will choose to be a peacemaker, God will pour peace into your life. He will bring peace into your marriage. He's going to bring peace between you and your children. He's going to give you peace and favor in your workplace. He's going to give you peace and favor when you're driving down the road and you get pulled over and he looks at you and you say, you know what? It's all right. Just slow down next time. But it's true. It is true. Favor. Favor from God, being tr- treated as a child. You know what? I, <laughs> so God comes to me and he says, like I do with my Andrew. Andrew, why did you do that? He took, he took a big old, he had a, uh, remember, Andrew's gone. But he had a, uh, he had a uh, Frisbee that had been laying in the molded leaves all winter long. I'm sitting there with a brand new shirt on. Talking with him outside, loving him, loving him. And he comes up, hey, daddy, Right in the middle of it, and I'm just going, Andrew? He's just looking at me. (laughs) I treated him like a child, and I loved him, and I said, I can always buy another shirt, but but I'll never get that again. You know what I'm saying? That's the way God wants to treat us. So we blow it. He just goes, I love you. I died for you, and you know what? It's all good. Let's just keep driving on. Peacemakers will reap that from God. That's what he tells us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up this morning. All right, let's close our eyes. If I could have our prayer teams, please come. And I just want to remind you, if you walked in the door this morning with some anxiety in your life, let's get rid of it. Let's dump it. Let's move on. Let's... Reach for God. Let's, not, let, let's, let's just start with that, okay? So let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Lord, we just want to right now reach out to you and commit to be peacemakers. We thank you for the peace that you've given us, you purchased on the cross for us. We thank you that this peace can be something that we can interact with, that we can apply and walk in and promote in our lives. We thank you for that. And now, Lord, I pray that as we commit, Lord, to being peacemakers, that, Lord, in the next few days, Lord, we begin to see the fruit of that. Lord, I pray that we would just shed all anger. There are some of you in this room today, there's a seething pot. There's a seething pot on the stove of your heart. It's boiling over, and it's been on there for a while. It's burned. It smells bad. And God says, you know what? It's time to take that off the burner been holding on to this, this, this bitterness, this, this battle, this judgment. And God says, take it off because it's stinking up your whole life. So if that's you, Holy Spirit speaking to you right now, just, just say, Lord, forgive me. I just want to take that off. I'm not going to fuel that anymore. Forgive me for that bitterness. Forgive me for that judgment. Forgive me for all of that right now. Lord, all across this room, what we ask you to do right now is not only remove that anxiety, Father, but place in us, God, a fresh peace from heaven. Fill us up. 
Fill us up, God, not just with only a little, but all over the top and overflow. The peace of God that goes beyond understanding transcends. Lord, thank you. And Lord, we look forward to the fruit of that peace, affecting our minds, God, giving us clearer thinking, giving us greater wisdom, restoring our relationships, giving us favor wherever we go, increasing in character, increasing, Lord, with the glory of God in our hearts. So, Lord, we thank you today. If there's anyone in this room today, and you're not certain that if you died tonight, you would be with Jesus forever, I want to pray for you. Because now you, you can't get favor until you start this relationship. I mean, you, you're so far away from me. But you can get it right now. If that's you, raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Give your life to Christ for the first time right now. Amen. So Lord, as we leave, as we leave now, may we go in the grace of God. Lord, we can't do this on our own. All we can do is make a choice in our heart and you promise that you'll cause us to will and to do with your good pleasure. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. God bless, folks. You have a great day. And again, if this is your first time today, don't forget about going to the Connection Center. Be good. Good chance to connect. We love you. Bless you.